Hello? Tully? Yes. Hi, it's Jonathan Hood from The Score in Chicago. How you doing, Jonathan? Good, Tully. We're ready for a quick interview. You got to, is that still a good time for you? Uh, yeah, they're just trying, the lady's trying to explain to me how I can or cannot get on this plane. <laughs> I'll listen in if you want me to. I'll wait for you. Um, no, go, go ahead. Can I do, I got to do a radio interview. Can I, can I do that? Okay. All right. This is going to be real quick for you, okay? Oh, no, it, it's no problem. I just, the planes are late here in Atlanta, and uh -huh. I, I've been trying to get here since six o'clock this morning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my wife had some, some problems last night and I needed to take her to the hospital this morning. And she sat in the emergency room till three this afternoon mm -hmm. and took her and the children back home. And the only way for me to save this company about $800 was to fly standby. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> if I had rechanged my ticket, it would have cost one day purchase, all, no, all the gaga. Yeah. Sounds like, well, it so, sounds like a mess. It's a mess. Oh, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not there yet, and I'm still on standby, and it's a full plane. Oh, so, boy. Man, why don't you just give him the full horseman sign? Is that good the enough? Four, there you go. Just give him, just give him four. <laughs> Maybe you can, get, you can get first class that way. That's I like, think that I think that carries more weight in Chicago than it does here in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> all good right. Gracious. Well, let me start it uh, the right way. Hang on a second, all right? Okay. Three, two, one. Accompanied tonight by Baby Doll, a perfect 10. Ladies and gentlemen, weighing in tonight at 235 pounds, Tully Oh, Those are the adulted tones of Tom Miller introducing our guest here on WrestleManiacs on the score. Sports Radio 1160, the Heroes of Wrestling extravaganza takes place tomorrow, Sunday, October 10th. A number of heroes of wrestling, and one of them right now, Tull Star, Tully Blanchard joins us here on the score. Hey, Tully. Jonathan, how you doing, man? <laughs> of, of all the matches in the world, you have you have to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was not gonna now see Tom Miller. Now Tom Miller was the ring announcer for a lot of them, but I won't say where that was. That could have been anywhere. That could have been on Worldwide. That could have been in Georgia. Oh no, 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 no. That was Greensboro Coliseum, nineteen eighty five. <laughs> Starcade I quit match. Magnum T A. Yeah. I know exactly where that was. I want to I, I want to hide that. I want to hide that. See I was gonna pull a, an interview with you ranting and raving about Dusty Rhodes, but I didn't want to scare anybody. Oh yeah, but that's what they remember, me ranting and raving about Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, tell us about the pay per view now. Coming up tomorrow, it's gonna be a lot of guys. King Kong Bundy would be part of it. Jimmy Superfly Snooker, George the Animal Steel. You can still take a lot of these guys. You know, it is, uh, I, I am, I'm thrilled that they offered me enough money to get me out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to it. it it's, uh, I've really uh, worked out, uh, not not as hard as I, I could have probably, but still I've got four children now and, and got to give them, them a little bit of time and trying to learn how to play a little golf. But I've worked out pretty hard for this thing uh, so I can survive it. Uh, number one, but you know, I'm getting ready. I'm going to be able to see a bunch of guys that I haven't seen in a long time, mm -hmm. and uh, looking forward to, especially Gordon Soley, the the dean of wrestling uh, commentators, and, and I haven't seen Gordon in a number of years, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I tell you, I've done a number of of uh, interviews here lately. It seems like nobody wants to talk to me except when I when I come out of retirement. So. 
so that's kind of neat. But uh, uh, the one question I, I get, Jonathan, all and, and Chicago is is probably there's there's more fond memories of my career in Chicago, and uh, the things that that happened in the sold out arenas there at the ICU Pavilion, and and uh, later with the WWF out there at the Rosemont Horizon, and and uh, hanging around with uh, Bruce MacArthur and and some of the worst people and, and out on their boats and and staying down at the Bismarck Hotel and running wild mm-hmm. at the Snuggery, if the Snuggery is even still there. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I mean, Chicago was the horseman's town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, golly, it was just the Thanksgiving day when we wrestled the Road Warriors. It was just a great, great time. And, and uh, you know, it, it, I wish that I would have been nostalgia-minded when I was going to all these big cities and then remembering and, and getting the most out of the places that I've been and, and traveled. But the one thing that I get nowadays from most people is, you know, God, it's just not the same as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope I don't r- ramble too much, but, you know, it's not the same as it used to be because the people involved I think have achieved it too easily. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're making too much money, and, and, and not not that they're not worth the money, but they haven't paid their dues. Tell they me, don't appreciate it. And Tully, when you talk about uh, you know uh, paying your dues, you might be referring to when you were in the NWA under Jim Crocker Promotions, and you're going to the Great American Bash, and going through those tour dates, and you're wrestling night after night after night. Meanwhile, you look at some of the calendar dates now for some of the organizations. You know, if a if a guy wrestles once or twice a week, he's pretty lucky. And the house shows don't mean as much as they did when you were wrestling. Oh, absolutely. But but it, but what I'm I, I guess what I'm I'm really getting at is, is the thing that that the guys nowadays and, and and here again I'm just speculating because I don't I don't know a lot of them. I haven't talked to the ones I do know in a long time. Is we went out night after night. 335 days a year and entertained the wrestling fans because we needed them to come back the next time we came to the city because that's how we got paid. Mm-hmm. And that's how we ate. And that's how we, we, we kept that jet flying and limousine riding lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, nowadays it, it doesn't seem like, I mean, they go out and do their thing and, and, uh, they get out and take their money all the way to the bank and, and I'm happy for them making the money. I mean, don't get me wrong, uh-huh. but but I was raised. My dad taught me, and I'm one of the few second generation guys that's still around. You know that somebody pays eight bucks, they deserve eight eight dollars worth of of your energy. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And and that's the way I was trained, and that's the way I grew up, and that's the way I did it. And that's the way I'm going to do it tomorrow night. I'm going to give whoever buys that pay-per-view, and I, from what I understand, it's not even that expensive uh-huh. uh, as pay-per-views go. Um, I'm going to give whoever tunes in the absolute 100% of my energy and my effort. Now, it might not be the way it was in 1985 when I was 33 years old, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. but it's certainly going to be everything that I can muster my body up to do. And I can promise you, I'm not going to bend over and hold onto the rope mm-hmm. and uh, limp around on and, and never and never go down on the mat. Right. Uh, 
Does this sound like I'm venting? No, you are, you're, 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 you're a veteran, and, and deservedly so. You can vent, because think about what you've done, and you compare it to some of the wrestlers today. And not bashing all the wrestlers, but I guess one of the questions I was thinking about coming into this interview is, thinking about Jim Crockett Promotions and growing up watching uh, the NWA, if Jim Crockett had the wherewithal uh, that, say, Vince McMahon has with the WWF or what Turner has now, do you feel that um, that the NWA would still be as strong, and do you feel that uh, wrestling would be a little bit better than it is today? Well, I, I, th I think the, the the problem is this: when when Crockett was running and and he got the TV rights to WTBS and and 605, the TV show was named World Championship Wrestling. Uh -huh. It was still the NWA. The demographics of the of the audiences were different. Uh, one of the, I mean, our, our people were a little bit more blue collar, uh, middle class, beer drinking, fighting, uh, hellraisers. And, and the WWF was targeting children more. And because if children were excited about what they were doing and then they'd bring mom and dad and they'd sell a ticket, you know, I mean, still the object back then was to get people to uh, fill the arenas up. And, uh, nowadays it, it is, they're both going after the same same crowd. I, I mean, countless numbers of people. Well, we, we flip and we watch five minutes of this and then flip the other channel and flip back and forth. And so, so you got the same audiences flipping back and forth and back and forth. And and I can I can remember back in 1988, uh, we we wrestled in Philadelphia, head up with. All the WWF guns, Hogan and the whole deal, uh -huh. and and Flair wrestled Luger, and we wrestled somebody else, and we did one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they did one hundred and twenty thousand uh dollars -huh. right across town. Well, those are both great audiences, and it's not that one did better than the other or anything like that. But look at how much money was spent on wrestling in one town in one night, and uh, that that shows the two different audiences. Now you got now you got apples and apples. Used to have apples and oranges. Tully, let me go back. Let me fast forward just a little bit before we go back to the old days and think about uh, 1988-89 when you went to the WWF with Arn Anderson as your your tag team partner. Uh, just following your career, you didn't seem to have that same zest. You didn't seem very happy. Did, how disappointed? I hated the WWF. Well, it, it looked like it when you wrestled. I, yeah, I, mean, I, still... I hated. I hated the work. I hated the work um, environment. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate the WWF. I hated the work environment. Mm -hmm. They were, the, and see, the, the thing that, that, that really disappointed me, and it took me uh, about six months to really grab a hold of this. So we got recruited. Pat Patterson came to Milwaukee and said, God, you guys are great. You know, so we, went, we flew up and met with Vince, and then some things happened, and, and uh, we decided to leave, uh, or I decided to leave, and Arn came with me. And the, the thing that really made me mad uh, was Vince had an opportunity to, to get some guys that were nationwide over, and it'd be, it'd be like hiring Deion Sanders uh -huh. to your football team. Uh -huh. you, you, you put him in, and it, it, it helps the entire program, mm -hmm. the, the whole team. Uh -huh. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. And what Vince did was, was get us over there, and he really didn't care whether we helped his, his, his program or not. He took us to try to tear away the other company, and it, and it did what he wanted. And I didn't like being uh, that kind of a pawn. You know, I, we could have really done some, some big business 
and, and big things for the WWF. And uh, just performance-wise, I mean, they had to use us to a degree. And we took their C-team towns from losers to big winners. Mm -hmm. And so as a business standpoint, we were very, very good for the WWF. But when you know you're, you're, you're put in that kind of a, a manipulated-type setting, uh, it, it, it probably came through. Because I don't hide my emotions very well. Mm -hmm. uh, never have, never will be able to. Because uh, I don't play those kind of games. You know, but uh, it did uh, uh, affect everything I did, and it probably did come through to a degree. We still worked very, very hard mm -hmm. in the ring, but but it had to come through a little bit. It was just totally different for me. I could just tell, just watching you wrestling, it was a little bit of a difference. As we talked to Tully Blanchard here on the score, Sports Radio 1160 with WrestleManiac. Sorry, Tully, tell the truth. Uh, what was better for you? Or who was the better ballet? Was it Baby Doll or was it D Dark Journey? Oh my gosh, who was there the longest? It was. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it answers the question. But who was. All right, let me put it this way. Who was the better partier? Uh, don't know. Didn't party with either one of them. Okay. Uh, that was strictly business. Uh, all, the, all those towns you went to, you guys. None of you guys all party. Oh, we had together? a couple of cocktails. I mean, you know, but I mean, I didn't. I didn't. That was business. I, could, I couldn't. If I'd have got involved with either one of those. Uh, ladies at all, then I couldn't have corrected and scolded or whatever uh, when it came time for business. Uh, Baby Doll was, was there for over a year, mm -hmm. and uh, Dark Journey was there for six months. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, are they, what are they doing now? Have you talked to them at all? Uh, I talked to uh, Baby Doll a couple, about four or five years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, the other one I've never talked to. Okay. So, oh, I've always wondered about that. You know, sitting at home as a fan, you always wonder. <laughs> that was that was that was punishment for me. Okay. That, that, that was somebody's idea to punish me. Really? As oh a, yeah. To have a valet. I mean, you were a good worker on your own. But I just thought. Well, I, the baby doll thing got over. Uh -huh. I mean, like a million dollars. Uh huh. The the other thing didn't get over, and that was punishment. <laughs> so I, I made I made some of the decision makers mad. Tell me, talk to us about your your teaming with Arn Anderson. How much fun was that with for you, and just sort of the behind the scenes stuff with Arn. What kind of person was he, and what was he as a tag team partner? Um, uh, I think that Arn Anderson and I, and, and we've been called the greatest tag team professional wrestling by a number of people in in the back scenes. I don't know about publicly. Uh, Arn and I were probably as good a tag team as ever was in professional wrestling. Uh, we weren't a gimmick. We could go out and make the Road Warriors look great, or we could go out with uh, Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil and steal the show, or we could go out with uh, two guys that, that, that weren't a tag team at all and steal the show. And, and, and that, is, that is a tribute to uh, the meshing of, of the two things. We weren't two guys trying to do the same things. We each had a different role, and, and it worked really, really well. The majority of the time, Arn and I got along great. Uh, Arn had his peculiarities. I had my peculiarities. And whenever you're with somebody night and day, uh, seven days a week, traveling for five years, you have some some fallings out. And, uh, you know, I mean, Arn and I got in a fight over four slices of pizza one time <laughs> in, in Knoxville. So, I mean, uh, you know, you just get a little frazzled. Uh -huh. And... Uh, but that happens with anybody. Tully, it has been said, uh, Ric Flair has said it before, just uh, in, in interview situations, that 
you know, living the life as a horseman, the way you guys portrayed it on interviews was really real life. I mean, you talk about going from town to town and partying and stuff like that. Uh, how how true was some of that stuff, uh, you know, going out and, and partying? Would you go from town to town and would people recognize you? And uh, how, how was that life growing up, you know, looking to be a horseman? What was that like going from town to town? It was a hard life. Uh-huh. Man, I mean, when we talk about being jet flying and limousine riding, we weren't telling we weren't telling a lie. If it was a lie and if it was some some charade, you would have seen through it as a fan. Wrestling fans would have seen through it because we never did. When we when we hit the snuggery and the limousines dropped us off at the end of the block when they had uh, on Friday and Saturday nights when they had Division Street knocked off. I mean, when we walked in, the horsemen were there. The snuggery was jammed, uh, and they wouldn't let us spend a penny. <laughs> you know, I mean, my gosh, uh, we rocked and rolled until four in the morning, and then hit the the Yudo place across the street. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I mean, you, certainly we had to take a few a few uh, nights off, but uh, every now and then, uh, when we got on there and talked about being at the airport Marriott or being here or being there, I can promise you, we were there mm-hmm. with bells on and uh, ready to roll. Tully, okay, and we're talking about uh, talking to Tully Blanchard again. The pay-per-view takes place tomorrow, Sunday, October 10th. The Heroes of Wrestling from Casino Magic in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. If Tully can get there, there'll be a 7 o'clock starting time exclusively on pay-per-view. King Kong Bundy, Superfly Snooker. Talk about your, your singles career, though. I think that's a little bit underrated. I, I've always said that you're probably, probably the greatest television champion ever uh, in the history of WCW slash NWA. Talk about your singles competition and who is the toughest guy that you've ever faced? Um, well, I, I, if there's anything that is that I that I was underachieved in my career, it was my singles. Because when we, Arn and I, became uh, tag team partners and won the world tag team champions, and, and then went to the WWF, uh, you know, I got labeled as a tag team wrestler, and I was much better by myself, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and understandably so. You, you don't have to depend on anybody. There are no other moves. There are no other thoughts. There are no than your own. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can take a match wherever you want to take it. And uh, I was uh, uh, some of the matches that I've had with with Magnum and Wahoo and Ronnie Garvin and Dusty. I'm mean, I probably I, I hate to sound egotistical, but I've had some of the greatest matches with Dusty Rhodes that Dusty's ever had. Mm-hmm. That's why I could wrestle him for how long? Five years? Mm-hmm. Five years? Well, nobody could ever wrestle Dusty for five years and still survive. Mm-hmm. And it got over. Oh yeah! Every, every and didn't kill time. me. <laughs> 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 that's, that's... I, I was still a commodity when it was over with. Oh yeah. <laughs> Tully, what about that uh, the slingshot suplex? Where'd you where'd you come up with that, and wh- why was that your your finisher rather than something else? Because it was nobody else did it, nobody else ever done it. Mm-hmm. I, I I got it from Sergeant Slaughter. I watched him take guys and drop them on the top rope, mm-hmm. uh, up like a suplex and drop them on the top rope. Right. And I said, man, if he can do that, I'll bet you I can take a guy and bounce him off the top rope and suplex him. Well, you did that with Dusty Rhodes, and he was three hundred pounds. I can't believe you did that night after night. Uh, I didn't do it night after night, but I've I've slingshotted some great big guys. <laughs> <laughs> I got bloody noses and hernias doing it too, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's a thing that nobody ever used, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I, it just came and went on and and went with it. So it was neat. 
tell you there's a, still a lot of fond uh, NWA fans out there that uh, listen to WrestleManiacs as we do this show every Saturday night. Is there, uh, you know, we talked about the horsemen. Is there, is there someone else that was in that locker room that you really liked a lot uh, in, back in those NWA days that you really had a, a lot of respect for for his work or, or just a guy that you really liked a lot? Um, I, I, I had very few friends in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hung out with Rick and Arn and J.J., and uh, Barry, when he was there, and and Barry liked to go do his own thing a little bit. And, but uh, I was always, being second generation, I, I was more friends with the guys like Nick Bockwinkle and Dufez and, and my dad's generation than I was the guys my own generation. I uh, don't know why that was, but, uh, you know, those are the guys, I guess, that I looked up to and, and uh, learned from and, and asked questions of and uh, Terry and Dory and Harley and uh, that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. uh, they more I guess they molded me more than 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 anybody else and, and uh, those are the people that that uh, uh, not trying to diss anybody by any means mm-hmm. but those are the guys that, that that taught me and took the time to 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 mold me into what I became. Tully, last thing we have for you, and we appreciate you joining us, is uh, did Eric Bischoff at any time ask you to come to the WCW? No, Eric Bischoff doesn't like me. Why, why is that? You're a likable uh, fellow. See, I liked you as a growing up watching you. Well. Is it because you speak your mind? When Eric Bischoff was in um, with the AWA, uh-huh, right after I left the WWF, okay? Uh, I left a part out of a match that I wasn't planning on, and Vern came in the dressing room screaming and hollering at me, and I said, Vern, my God, and I walked out. Uh, I mean, it really was no big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they the finish was what they wanted and what they got, and. And uh, I got beat, but I left out a part of a match, and it was my fault. But it's because I hadn't been wrestling in a while, and I just forgot. I mean, it was—I was in there with Brad Rankins, and they forgot to give a guy a comeback. Uh-huh. And so that's Eric's first thought of me. And then in 1994, when I went to do the Legends uh, reunion with uh, Terry Funk on their pay-per-view in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they walked in and said, we want you to do this. And I said, I'm not doing that. I said, my God, I'm a bigger star in Philadelphia than Terry Funk ever thought about. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that part of it. But I mean, you know, and I love Terry. And I love Terry. I mean, right. my gosh. But I mean, you know, I mean, they're crazy. I mean, I walked out on that pay-per-view if anybody watched it. I mean, there was more Four Horsemen fans in, in the world in Philadelphia. Right. You know, and so you've got two... Two situations where a guy, uh, you know, you get a negative opinion of a guy. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I haven't said two words to Eric Bischoff, really. Uh-huh. And then in 1992, they tried to book me and have uh, the original Four Horsemen back on a pay-per-view. Right, that's what I was getting at. But I told them, I wrote them all a letter. Dusty was the booker, and Ole was the GM, and Bischoff was just the TV guy. And I wrote them all a letter six weeks in advance. I said, guys, I'm not coming. 
I said, y'all want to give me some horse manure contract? Give, they wanted, they offered me $500 a day with no guarantees. And they were paying these guys a million dollars of staking up. They wanted to get a hold on their, on their salary cap. I said, guys, you ain't going to start with me. <laughs> Offer me something worthwhile or I'm not going to do it. Right. So I didn't show up. So you got, you got three different situations where a guy gets a negative opinion of you. And I mean, he doesn't know my thoughts or my, my in, insight into this business at all. And, uh, you know, so, but he's out now, so who knows what will happen now. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. Hopefully it will be for the best for that company and just for wrestling overall. Sunday, October 10th, the Heroes of Wrestling. Do you know your opponent yet tomorrow at the Casino Magic in Bay St. Louis? Yeah, I'm wrestling with Stan Lane. Oh, that'll be easy. That's no, that's, that's <laughs> my God. I, I thought it was one of these other guys I see on my sheet. Stan Lane, my God. You could, that, that would be about six minutes. That's like wrestling, you know, Ricky Nelson or somebody. I mean, that's, that should, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's like in the little, in the little pre, peach tree uh, studio. That should be easy for you. Stan Lane? <laughs> my God. <laughs> I didn't book it. Yeah, I know. I know. That should, that should be no problem for you there. I think we're going to talk to Stan later on. I'll probably say the opposite when he comes on. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Tully, I, I really I really appreciate it. As a Four Horsemen fan, going way back, this has been a real treat for me. I really appreciate you joining us. Well, I'd be happy to do your show anytime you want, and it doesn't have to be surrounded by a pay-per-view. All right. So, so you just uh, call me up at Charlotte, and if you want to do a, do a program and do something that, that somebody will shoot you straight on the interview, I'll be happy to do it. Well, Tully, I appreciate it, man. Good luck okay. on the paper. Good luck on your six or seven minute win over Stan Lane. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it, man. I just, I just want this lady to let me on this plane so bad I cannot even stand it. <laughs> All right, Tully. I still have back about staying over in Atlanta, so I don't need to be here. No, no, can't do that. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, you have a great night. I hope that uh, your show is a great success tonight and that many, many people listen and they have a little bit of a trip down memory lane. Well, I, we appreciate it, Tully. Thank you. Okay.